Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If the first method behind the text was author-centered, and the second in the text was text-centered, then this third method is reader-centered. Yes, you and I are the focus of this method. How can a reader be a subject of study for understanding biblical prayers? Because just like the author and the text itself, each of us, as we read, has a setting, a context. And as we read, we become part of the process of hearing what those prayers have to teach us. This is the most difficult of the three-part method because it requires self-critique. What presuppositions do I hold about the Bible, the world, prayer, God? What conscious and unconscious biases do I bring with me when I read? We might not like to admit that we have biases, but everyone does. Most of us, when we read the Bible, want to find that it supports everything we already believe. That's natural. Or perhaps we have a beloved parent or grandparent who believes certain things, and we will not want to discover that they were wrong. If our religious tradition is Catholic or Baptist or Anglican or whatever it is, we will tend to interpret the Bible to support the teachings of those traditions, even though we know that others might understand some parts of the Bible differently. More unconscious are the biases that have to do with our life experience and personality. The following are some generalizations, but can serve to illustrate the point. Someone who is politically liberal might tend to read the words of Jesus as supporting their politics, So they emphasize Jesus' words about the support of the poor, acceptance of each other, forgiveness, and then apply the Bible to the role of government. That same person might downplay messages about responsibility, discipline, judgment. They might also deny any gulf between the Christian mission and the state's purpose. On the other hand, a political conservative would accordingly emphasize the latter and downplay the former. Someone who had terrible father figures in their life might read the passages about God as father quite differently than someone who had an excellent father figure. Someone who grew up in poverty might read passages about God's blessing people with wealth and the church's responsibility to the poor differently than someone who grew up with great wealth. But our human weakness and pride can lead us to deny these biases and perspectives. Not me, we want to say, I'm aware of all of my biases. And meanwhile, we criticize others who don't see that they are reading their upbringing, their politics, or their viewpoints into the prayers and into the Bible. Our environment, upbringing, personality, and worldview will affect the way we read the Bible, what we emphasize, what we dismiss, and even the way we interpret something. Whether we mean to or not, we impose meaning on what we read that it may or may not support. It can be frustrating to encounter someone who reads the same passage quite differently than we do. Usually, we think it just means they're wrong. But is it possible that I'm wrong? And if so, how can I know that? Does this leave us with a modern, it means whatever you think it means method? I don't think so. While a thorough critique of ourselves may not be possible, we have our blind spots. There are things we can do to try to be aware of our biases. And the first step of this method is to admit that I do have biases and perspectives. We begin by recognizing that I might not always be right about a particular doctrine or belief or practice. Once we can make peace with that possibility, we should seek out other views. They are easy to find. Books, friends, internet articles, even in your own congregation or your own family. Rather than immediately rejecting a different viewpoint, try to understand why someone believes it. Ask questions. Do research. 
Once you have a sense of it, try explaining that different view to someone else. If you always read, listen, and surround yourself with those who hold the same views as you, you lose any possibility of revelation and of growth. We must be brave enough in faith to realize that we are likely wrong about some things. Let's look at an example prayer from Judges 17, 1-3. The prayers in this passage and the surrounding stories are good examples to explore this in front of the text method. Here are the prayers. The 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you about which you uttered a curse and even spoke it in my hearing. May my son be blessed by the Lord. I consecrate the silver to the Lord for my hand, for my son, to make an idol of cast metal. The story is this. The prayers are offered by the mother of a man named Micah, who had stolen a good bit of money from his mother. When she discovered the theft, but not who had taken it, she asked for a curse to be placed on that thief. When Micah hears that, he's afraid, and he confesses and returns the money to her. His mother then asks God for a blessing upon him. A wayward son changes his ways, and his mother turns a prayer curse into a blessing prayer. But then the mother takes some of the coins to a silversmith and has them melted down to make an idol. Micah makes a shrine for the idol and appoints his son as the priest. So, this is not a story about two faithful Israelites, but two wayward followers of God. Verse 6 tells us why the writer included the story. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Even with examining these prayers using the other two methods, we can apply this in front of the text method. Could we be as unfaithful as these two characters? Is there a way for us to become aware of unexamined attitudes and actions in our prayer and life that do not reflect God's ways? We, like those two, we, like those two, are embedded in our own culture. Some of the ideas of that culture will be in agreement with God's ways, but others will not. We should take the time to critique the values, expectations, and ideals of our culture and compare them with God's ideals. For example, modern American culture stresses individualism. You're your own person, and what you do is no one's business if it does not affect them. But self-centeredness runs counter to God's ways. The people of God are a community. We do have a responsibility towards one another. Note the language used for believers, body, tribe, family. Everything done by an individual in a family has some effect on the whole. If we adopt the cultural view, how might that negatively affect our prayers? Likewise, our modern culture encourages us to be tolerant of all lifestyles and behaviors. At one level, this is a sound idea. After all, Jesus interacted with tax collectors, Gentiles, and prostitutes. But tolerance can become acceptance, which is not the same thing. Jesus had no problem condemning people. Note his violent outburst when he drove the money changers and the sellers from the temple. Befriending a prostitute and showing that God loves everyone is spiritual work. Accepting a prostitute's actions because it is her choice is not God's way. We are not called to condemn so much as to stand firm and offer truth with grace, mercy, and love. How does this apply to our prayers? Think about the character, attitude, and context of your prayers. How might your culture have influenced your time, manner, and attitude of prayer? How might it have influenced what you pray for? Can you spot any ways that your prayers are influenced by your culture that might be contrary to God's ways? Consider what you can do to change it. Going in front of the text like this alerts us to our part in the role in understanding the Bible and its prayers. 
While we can pray that God will guide us to understanding, our human weaknesses often lead us in ways that we are not even aware of. So this method allows us to practice some humility as we approach God's Word, using all the tools that He has given us to enrich our own prayers. Thank you for listening. See the notes accompanying this podcast for more information. Learn more about the Praying Through the Bible Project on our website, prayingthroughthebible.com. That's T-H-R-U. If you are a subscriber, thank you. If not, please consider becoming one. Feel free to get in touch through the comments or on our website. Until next time, blessings on all of